Home team's up. one nothing. Four minutes to go at PPG Paints Arena. Jared McCann lines up for the faceoff across from Jeff Carter. And what does Jared McCann think is going to happen next? We're going to get one. Uh, that's, that's what I thought going out the draw there. We're just, we're going to get one. We're due. So, you know, it, uh, uh, it was a good team effort, obviously. You know, we, we played well, played to our strengths, and, um, you know, we got we got to build on this. Funny how that worked out. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into Football and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Kraken 2, Penguins 1 in overtime. McCann got that tying goal. And then Seattle won in overtime on an Adam Larson goal. But this was McCann's night in every way. McCann was outstanding throughout, highly visible on what's by far Seattle's best line, alongside Jordan Eberle and Marcus Johansson. And he's made, unlike a lot of players who get claimed in expansion drafts or traded or whatever, no secret of the fact that he felt spurned in Pittsburgh, particularly with the way he came on last season and really emerged as a significant goal scorer as a major contributor to their top power play, only to be discarded. And that's what the expansion draft is. There's no soft pedaling it. You're saying, we're only allowed to protect this many guys and you're not one of them, even though you're young and you score a lot of goals. We see some kind of flaw. See ya. That's what that is. And he'd made it known in polite, very Jared McCann-like ways in recent months, including before the Penguins beat the Kraken out there at Climate Pledge Arena a couple months ago, 6-1, to one, that he really took this kind of hard. Now, after this game last night, all he'd say on the subject of enjoying winning in Pittsburgh was this. Yeah, yeah, it does feel good. Obviously, you know, I'm very fa- thankful to this organization for giving me a chance to play. And, um, you know, they kind of they brought my career back to life, I'd say. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for them. Okay, but what you don't see and don't hear there is that immediately after the game in the Seattle locker room when he was awarded what they refer to as the Davy Jones hat for being their star of the game, his very brief speech to the rest of the room consisted of how much this meant to him. This is a good young hockey player, and I'm sorry to be revisiting something from several months ago, but it will never stop blowing my mind that in an expansion draft where you're required to lose one player the Penguins thought not only that it would be a good idea to lose two, but also that one of them would be exactly what they need as an organization, meaning young people with fresh legs and great attitudes who can score. And if that opens up some wounds here this morning, so be it. 
I'm not pointing to McCann or the expansion draft as why they lost the game last night. There was a bunch that went into that. But I am focusing on McCann and that epic mistake. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. It feels like, to an extent, there's some revisionist history that's been going into this specific scenario, meaning because Hextall had a really good signing in Brock McGinn, because Hextall had a really good signing in Danton Heinen, that it's now okay that both McCann and Brandon Tanev were just lost for nothing. This could have been, and really should have been, just Tanev. Now, I say that as someone who loves Tanev's game, who loved what he brought to the Penguins, and actually, to be honest with you, kind of crowed a little bit after he was as good as he was here because I'd seen what he'd done in Winnipeg. Terrific player. A shame on many levels that he wasn't able to play last night himself because of his season-ending knee injury. But he also was off to a wonderful start for the expansion team. And it couldn't be clearer now that he alone would have been enough if Tanev were the only one the Penguins had exposed. Then one of two things can happen. They take Tanev, but you keep McCann, or they take what everyone would agree, even Tanev's biggest backers, is an unwieldy contract that allows you some cap relief. You never needed to lose both. That makes 0.0000% sense. Still, to this day, because with McCann, what you saw wasn't just a player who was getting on some kind of roll. You saw a player who was just becoming better and better, smarter and smarter, and more and more in control. One of the criticisms that I'd have of McCann's game was that he was a little bit too wild. I don't mean undisciplined. I mean, a lot of his warp speed skating happened without any clear purpose. But when you look at this play that he engineered, really the whole sequence, because just before that, he had generated a two-on-one by taking the puck from Chris Letang after an ill-advised drop pass by Evgeny Malkin. He created a breakaway, really, for Jordan Eberle. Tristan Jari was able to stop Eberle, but the draw is right after that. McCann goes in there, and he says to himself what you heard earlier about, we're going to get one, we're going to get one. He lines up against Jeff Carter. It's a semi-set play. All he's trying to do as a left-handed shot on the right side is to pull it back enough that Marcus Johansson can get it back to the point. He cleaned Jeff Carter. This was not a close face-off. This wasn't one of those 50-50s that just happened to trickle somewhere. 
He put both hands on the stick, meaning in a, in a pullback way, so he's actually advertising which way he's trying to go with it. He gets it back to Johansson. Johansson gets it back to Vince Dunn. And in that time period, Carter does what you're supposed to do as a center, and he follows McCann after a lost draw. But then McCann just keeps battling. Carter lets him go. McCann gets to the front of the net. There's Marcus Pedersen waiting to pick him up. Pedersen picks him up. McCann wants it more. McCann's got his eyes on the puck, knowing that Dunn has the ability to get it through. He does get it through, and McCann comes through with a gorgeous aerial redirection behind Jari. This was McCann's recounting of that sequence. Uh, Dunner's just a great... Uh... Great defenseman, makes plays, right? He's, I, I know he's going to get it to the net, so I just try to get open and try to get a stick on it. Good for him. That, that, that's all I've got to say today, other than the earlier finger-wagging. Before we go too far out of our minds praising the Penguins management team for everything that's led to this still, still remarkable run that they're on, having won 17 of their last 20 games, being right up in there for first place and everything else. This was a mistake, letting this player go. And there's a part of me that kind of appreciates when someone comes back and shows exactly that, especially when it's a good dude like McCann. When we come back, just one question. time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by fubo tv the monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks fubo tv is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels including at&t sportsnet pittsburgh and right now fubo tv is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15 percent off your first month just go to fubotv.com slash dk fubotv.com slash dk and today's J1Q comes from Jason in Tampa, who asks, when can we start comparing the current Penguins team to the 2015-16 Penguins? was around this time of year that the Penguins went on a tear going into the playoffs that year, similar to what they've been doing this year. Yes, that is correct. That team took off in every conceivable way, right around, oh boy, going off the top of my head here, I want to say mid-January and just whew, just started smoking teams, running up incredible shot totals, coming at them with speed that they weren't seeing from anyone else in the NHL. They didn't care that they were undersized, which by the way, they were. They just kept flying around everyone else. So whenever... They'd come to town, and you just got done facing this group of big bad boys and another group of big bad boys. These guys would show up and just squirt around you, and it would be, I'm sure, very, very frustrating for all involved. This team is not that team, Jason, and I'm not just saying that because of what was witnessed last night. This team has to be built, first and foremost, on defending. I make this point all the time, 
And I'm going to make it even more forcefully now that they, you know, they finally lost their winning streak and everything else because they didn't lose this game or this streak as a result of not scoring enough. Sure, it would have helped if they'd have found a way to get the puck past Philip Grubauer more than once. It would have helped, as All Concerned would later acknowledge, if they'd gotten more bodies and more traffic to the net. Everyone says that every time the other team's goalie has a good night, but in this case it was true. But ultimately you can't make all the mistakes that the Penguins made in the third period, getting outshot 18 to 4. So through two periods, what they did was pretty much what Sullivan and the coaching staff have been tasking them with for the past 10, 12 days, ever since Los Angeles, where they wanted to just find a way to get back to where they were about a month, month and a half ago and start playing really, really stingy hockey being right in people's faces, contesting every puck, making smart decisions once they have the puck. If that sounds like I'm echoing a certain head coach, well, this is what Sullivan had to say on that topic after this game. I thought the first two periods we were fine. I thought we could have had a little bit more net traffic and we could have put the puck at the net more than we did. Uh, playing against a team that defends hard and defends the inside. Uh, but as far as how we were playing the game, I thought we were playing the right way. And we controlled territory. We controlled possession time. I thought in the third period, we beat ourselves. We, we, we turned into a high-risk hockey team. And, and a lot, a lot of the, the chances we gave them off the rush were a result of us uh, not making the right decisions with the puck. And it's hard, to, it's hard to win consistently when you play a high-risk game. I guess the best way to answer your question, Jason, is to say you'll see different signs. You won't see the Penguins running up 50, 55 shots on goal. That's the kind of stuff that's only happening in the league right now with you know, the Avalanche you know, and a couple other teams, and even then only when those get hot. The Avs are really the only one that are scoring – at that type of level, generating that much offense, the Penguins aren't going to win a playoff round, much less a Stanley Cup, by doing that. And a third period like this reinforces that because what ended up happening was the game got into the third, tied, and the pattern of late has been, okay, now we're just going to turn it on and we're going to score. And then they did turn it on. And then... Thanks to a gift power play from the officials, they did score on Malkin's goal. Really, really good power play, by the way, that led to that. So then you're thinking, aha, there it is. Well, the other team didn't think that. And the Penguins just kept doing the same stuff. And the Kraken came away with two points that they very much deserved. Worked their tails off from front to finish, actually. When you start seeing the Penguins perform in general the way they did in some games earlier in the season, oh, let's see, particularly on the road, like one of the ones that jumps out at me and probably will all season was the one in Toronto. 
where the maple leaves were just flying high, had some sort of long winning streak, hadn't been given up much, and the Penguins just got right in their faces for 60 full minutes, just would not let them so much as breathe. And they found a way to get a couple of goals behind Jack Campbell, and they won. That's the kind of hockey that's got to come back. That's got to come back, and it's incumbent on this coaching staff and the team's leadership to make that happen. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, not just today, but all week long, and we'll be back with a new one Monday. 